Weirdo bookworms unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. Welcome to the second installation of our uh, women horror writer, women in horror month Makeup redo. Month? Redo. Yeah, redo. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. So let's take care of a few things first. It's currently about 1,000 degrees in California, where we're recording. It's very hot. We decided to skip spring, and all of a sudden, it has like literally been in the 80s and 90s where we live. It is so hot today. And if you hear a clicking uh, behind one of us, it is our incredibly loud refrigerator that is deciding to just run constantly. I mean, the poor thing is like working so hard to keep things cool. I mean, just feel bad for it. And if you hear any other sounds, it's people losing their damn minds outside because it is too hot. Yeah, we even had a chance to see someone with heat stroke in the ER the other day because it's just that damn hot. And I get heat stroke, so I I relate. We don't have AC, guys. We're really suffering to like bring you this episode. We turned off our fan. Yeah, just for you, so you don't hear that going in the background. So this might be a little bit of a shorter episode, so we don't <laughs> pass out. You might hear the clink of ice because I'm sorry, but we got to do something. So we are drinking. I have a bottle of water next to me, and it, it might just get it poured over my head before the night is over. Yeah. Okay. So what an appropriate mindset to record a very intense horror <laughs> novel. That's a word for it. Um. So tonight we are reviewing Anya Allborn's Brother. So I've read several Anya Allborn books. She's one of my favorite horror writers. Uh, definitely one of my favorite female horror writers for sure. So let me tell you a little bit about this book. But before we do, we're officially on season two of Sabrina. And it's as good or better than season one. And I watched seasons one and two of Channel Zero. I watched season two, episode seven and eight of Channel Zero. <laughs> I am absolutely obsessed with Channel Zero. Absolutely obsessed. I cannot wait to start the third season. And does anybody know, is there more? Will there be more coming? I'm watching this on Shutter, and I need more Channel Zero. I need it. I need it. I'm really hoping someone picks it up. Last I heard, it did get canceled, but I, I have a feeling it's still going to exist somewhere. But you know what? I think um, I'm going to have to look into it because I love it. I love it so much. Um, I just found it on Shudder and I'm so happy with it. Okay, let's talk about Brother by Anya Allborn. Deep in the heart of Appalachia stands a crooked farmhouse miles from any road. The Moros keep to themselves and it's served them well so far. When girls go missing off the side of the highway, the cops don't knock on their door, which is a good thing seeing as to what's buried in the Moros' backyard. But 19-year-old Michael Morrow isn't like the rest of his family. He doesn't take pleasure in the screams that echo through the trees. Michael pines for normalcy, and he's sure that someday he'll see the world beyond West Virginia. When he meets Alice, a pretty girl working at a record shop in the small nearby town of Dahlia, he's immediately smitten. For a moment, he nearly forgets about the monster he's become. But his brother Rebel is all too eager to remind Michael of his place. Dot, dot, dot. That's a really great synopsis for a horror book with a, you know, with a twist of a, of a serial killer with a heart, if you will. Right, right. That's not how it reads. <laughs> not 
that's not true. I think that's really how it reads. I, no, it does. Uh, okay. This one, this one's rough. This is a really brutal book. Of all of her novels, this was by far the most um, wrenching and the most difficult to tackle subject matter. Uh, yeah, just kind of the like the most brutal and nihilistic yeah and we're going to have a trigger warning uh you know right at the beginning of our spoiler section actually let's just say this consider yourself triggered yes that that's kind of that's kind of my point yeah like if you can think of a thing it's it happens so just consider yourself triggered yes for everything i I feel like this book is designed to trigger anyone possible (laughs) maybe so um so dare i ask you scott what was your experience score with this book this may have been the strongest struggle i can remember with a book i had a real real hard time getting through this one i had to take breaks regular breaks i I was taking breaks playing a game where i create a a world killing virus or bacteria in order to cool off from this that's that's that was like child's play compared to what i was uh experiencing reading this book Mm, okay so for me this is a hard one to exactly pin down this is going to be weird but bear with me it was somewhere between a page turner and a struggle okay okay and i know we actually have two like categories in between that but that's not what i mean So for me, it was a page turner because I really devoured it. It's only a little over 300 pages long. Yes, Scott, that's really all. Just a little over 300 pages. I I cannot fathom that. And I had to know what was going to happen. And I was really eager to keep reading. And when I read it, I just tried to read in huge chunks at a time because I, I just found myself really wanting to get through this book and keep reading about it. But it was a little struggly at times. It was because of the content, because of the subject matter, and because it is very bleak. Bleak is it bleak and nihilistic, you said earlier, is is, is a really good way to describe this book. Which I, I like things that are bleak oh, and nihilistic. Oh, absolutely. And I, I want to clarify, I respect the hell out of her for this book. It is very well done. It is exactly what it's supposed to be yeah it's not aimed to me i am (laughs) i am not its target audience right Uh, i I, yeah yeah and and that's totally okay i think that it is fantastic for what it is and and i'm i i can really see why you loved this book and and you Mm -hmm. didn't have as hard of a time getting through it as i did it just really it really disturbed me on so many levels. Yeah, it's disturbing stuff going on. Like we said, for everything you can consider yourself trigger- triggered for, you know, just count that. And it's really kind of a study of hmm, abuse of nurture versus nature. And where do you go when you have a moral compass, but you feel completely trapped? So, 
Here's to kind of set the scene for you guys a little bit more. This takes place in 1980 in the Appalachian Mountains in America, which for those of us that kind of know America or live here, that part of the country is notorious for being really destitute. And um, and it's kind of a stereotype, but kind of backwoods, uneducated, um, uh, uninformed, removed, isolated from the rest of society. Forgotten in a lot of ways. Yeah. And of course, that's... You know, like I said, it's a stereotype. So take that with a grain of salt. But this takes place in 1980. So this is before the Internet. This is before, you know, child services was probably really trying to track people down that, you know, should be in school or, uh, you know, cases of abuse getting really forgotten about and kind of lost in the shuffle of things. It was much easier to live off of the grid. Yeah. And that's not to say that people can't and don't live this way and behave this way in every corner of the world, including America. But it's a little bit harder to exist completely on the fringes anymore. I I agree with that. This kind of thing I don't think could happen here. It's one of the themes of the book that I... That's not true. Don't say that. It could happen. Well, yeah, I guess it really does does happen. I, I, I picked up a little bit of a of an underlying dread for the family itself because you it, the book doesn't come out and say this, but it does kind of feel like, well, times are are gonna be a change in. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's in the wind and the family does know it. Um and there's a certain amount that the people who like this lifestyle in the family are probably kind of clinging to it and hence a lot of their control issues they have. So Michael, um, He's not like his family members. He is and he's not, right? He participates in their frequent (laughs) murders, but he does have a conscience and he doesn't want this to be his complete story of his life. But he's so psychologically broken down that he de- there is no other option for him. There is no other reality where this isn't his life. Well, yeah, he's never, like, gone to school or anything. Like, he's never been exposed. Like, he, what he knows about the world and that he wants to travel is, like, what he's managed to kind of scrape together and kind of seen on television. But through this really, really... Um, corrupted lens corrupted overprotective lens so it's really really broken um there's other characters but i think we we've really got to save them for the spoiler section a lot of this book is very hard to discuss without spoiling it uh I, I, the, the the real thing is just, just there's such a lack of hope there's not a lot of humor either there really isn't. Actually, yeah. I, I can't think of a single part that made me laugh. I can, however, think of multiple parts that made me legitimately cry. You legitimately cried? Absolutely. Multiple times. Oh, my God. Multiple times. See, I never cried, but I cringed a lot. And not from her writing. Her writing's beautiful. But from what the characters are enduring, like, I cringed. I winced. And I was like... Oh God! Like, oh, this sucks. Like, but I, I didn't get to me on. I think the emotional level it got to you. I don't consider myself as someone who typically needs a trigger warning for things. Uh, I, I think they're very important, but it. I'm not typically someone who is who is often you know triggered by things. This mm-hmm. book hit me on a lot of places that I didn't expect 
to be affected so hard of. And I, and I feel like it's just because it's so unrelenting. Yeah. Like there, well, there's breaks. There's moments of obviously where people aren't being murdered or abused, but you know that it can't last. That's the sort of nihilistic part of it. It's the inevitability that, yeah. that she makes you feel throughout the book. Even the, the, the good moments are completely soured by... You know that the other shoe's going to drop. Exactly. Yeah. So a um, couple other things I want to say. Like I kind of mentioned, I love Anya. I'm a huge fan of her writing. Um, I think she has a really cool voice and a really cool perspective on horror. And all of her novels that I've read have been different than the last, which is really cool. My favorite one is probably Seed. Look that one up. Um, that's a little bit more of a kind of traditional quote-unquote fun horror story but i i like the shuddering i i like everything i've read from her i really do but this is the one where she knows and she's very aware of it that this book is a challenge for people yeah and i think again i i there's no judgment from me as far as writing a book well, like look this. how much she could affect you with her writing exactly i i want i want to clarify this book was an extreme struggle for me but i thought that it it was brilliantly done. I, I, I thought I thought it was itself a very, very good book. It's just it's dark. a very hard book for me to read. It's just dark and it's brutal. Yeah. So, um, gosh, dare we give an appeal? I think we're probably going to be on similar sides of this. I'm going to go first, though. Yeah. Um, this is more on the niche end of things. I'm not going to say it is niche because I think that a lot of different horror fans would like this, but it is definitely in its niche as a horror book, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not saying like only people who like this one type of horror subgenre is going to like this book. I don't want to pigeonhole it that much, but it's not broad within horror. So keep it on the niche side of things. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. And, uh, you know, we, we recently did a, uh, a guest spot on the, the cult show. Yeah. Yes, well, we sure did. And it, it really... Find it on YouTube or listen to their podcast, Cult Show. It's it's very good, and and talking through our experience score really kind of made me rethink it, and and, and I kind of agree with you. I, I'm going to go with a general appeal in that I I don't think that this is just for slasher horror fans, and no, it's no, not no. just for it, it, there's no niche within horror that this fits into. I don't see many people who don't enjoy horror. Um really connecting with this book i think it's i think it's a lot no wait, i think I found, it's a lot i found someone outside of horror um did any of y'all ever read those books a child called it if you like that sort of stuff you'd probably like this if you like room the one about the girl and she has a son in captivity um that movie and i believe it is a book yeah that's kind of the same thing outside of horror if you like that stuff reading about maybe push by sapphire <laughs> like if you like those things if you found that enjoyable this might be a good horror book for you to try yeah and, and it kind of makes me lean more towards niche in that 
respect because you know I I have I have come to really enjoy horror uh, over the past couple of years. I, I really do, and I don't. We cons- welcome you here. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I don't consider myself to be a horror aficionado, at but a horror all. fan. But a horror fan uh, certainly, and I appreciate it. And this was this was too much for me. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there, and there's nothing wrong with you out there if you're there who you know th- about as far as they can they can go in horror is and this is not this sounds like a, a dig against these books and it's not but is is bird box or or you know you know more broad appeal horror books and they, yeah, they love I think them I know what you mean yeah this is and this is very much for people who are this used to this level. kind of depravity. Yeah, yeah. This is an entry level. This is, yeah. This is for those of us who are a little bit more well-seasoned in depravity. And I do count myself among them. It's a horror graduate student's <laughs> novel. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So in case you couldn't tell, it's really, really difficult to kind of tiptoe around the plot and the characters in this book. So we're going to have to go to the spoiler section before we melt. But I will say, if you do like horror, you should read the book. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Okay, no sense beating around the bush. Let's just get right into it here. (laughs) No sense beating around the bush as you search for the young girl who ran screaming into the wilderness. Um but has zero chance or hope of survival. She sets up the feeling of the book so perfectly in yes. that early scene. It's she she's running away, she's trying and there is no hope. She has glimmers of hope, but we know as the reader there is Michael any. knows as her pursuer. Yeah. There is not there is no nope. way. You're not getting away. This is not going to have a happy ending because here's here's the thing. Here's the thing people. Michael, I like him. I have a lot of compassion and a lot of feeling for Michael. Um and I think he was God, a brilliantly written and executed character. But Michael's never going to be able to, like, move into the suburbs and work at a bank or even a grocery store or even a, I don't know, telemarketer. He's not going to have any job, you guys. Michael cannot be a part of regular society. There is no happy ending for Michael. It's impossible. He has butchered almost 30 women. Yeah, he has seen some And you don't just bounce back back from that i'm not okay i shouldn't say it's impossible i'm sure there are people who could bounce back from that with a lot a lot a lot of therapy and medication and professional help and holding down a lot of secrets through the rest of their lives yeah or i don't know writing a tell-all book or i I don't know there is some way to get through this but poor michael is not equipped he does not have the tools he has been just completely uh conditioned into this world there's there is there's he can't live without his family he doesn't know how to make decisions for himself even though he has the free will and he has the thoughts he's incapable of of escaping himself until of course he snaps right which um (laughs) when he snaps mike 
God, was it satisfying? It was it was one of the greatest horror moments of okay, and now the the final girl is gonna come back and kill everybody. Well, yeah, because here's the thing, in a lot of brutal sort of movies, uh torturing movies, rape revenge movies, that sort of thing, we're all waiting, like we all get through the torment and the just the nastiness because we know that karma is going to come for these people and it's just it's so great it's so satisfying with every thwack of the axe but even this it's so unique because the the person who's getting that revenge the person who's who's bringing karma to bear is the bad guy right and so it makes you in a very complicated um mindset of you know things are sometimes in shades of gray they're not always black and white and you can have compassion and feeling for somebody who's participated in something vile and at that point in the book even carried out one murder but you know you can have this compassion for them and it's not excusing him or anything but you are like oh my god oh god you sweet thing like it's sad uh you don't feel that way for rebel or mama or wade actually there's points when i really do feel bad for reb and there's points that i feel bad for mama too i felt a tiny bit of shred of compassion for mama because we know her parents were brutal disgusting people and that's kind of said in there that like and then that was like passed on to her and wade um was a vietnam veteran and that's definitely not to say that all veterans turned out this way but um this one obviously found a knack for brutalizing people and that is difficult for me to tread that was really the only part of this book i could really find quote-unquote problematic is i didn't like that depiction of a veteran but using that as kind of a uh of a framing as an excuse but at the same time you know we don't get his whole story so it's not like that's the only reason he's that way it's just that he really likes talking about the brutalizing he did overseas i see i think she does a very good job of giving everybody a reason for why they are the way that they are and why that they've mm-hmm. why they've they've come together and they allow each other to do these depraved things but but none of them is none of none of it it really does come off as an excuse except for michael yeah but yeah and that's totally different because he was so um brought into this captive situation where he was told from his whole life your family didn't want you your biological family and so we're the monsters but we're the monsters that saved you and you will be abandoned if you don't follow us you i mean and reb in particular does such a diabolical job of making michael so reliant and subservient to him oh yeah because he really feels that michael owes him because michael ruined his life and michael feels that he owns that he owes reb as well I, right though he didn't ruin anybody's life but yeah well he Rebel did really he did kill him. a rabbit oh okay. he killed a rabbit yeah i'm not there's okay no with coming it. back from that no and i'm not okay with it but i mean you know obviously rebel takes it to a weird place um <laughs> i i had a lot of love for laura lynn and for misty those were hard characters to lose in this book it was hard to lose 
Wood I mean, a lot of it's just Lucy. very hard. A lot of it's just very hard. hard. Can I can I talk for a minute about the pacing sure. of the book in particular? Because it seems it feels like she follows this very, and I mean this in a good way, textbook pacing for this story, mm-hmm. where the reveals and the deaths just happen at the exact like just the right point in the book exactly. It's where almost it's like a timer's going off in increments. Exactly. You know, you find out what happened to Laura Lynn about one third of the way of the book. You find out even they start giving you hints at, um, you know, about that point that, huh, are they eating people? <laughs> and then just oh. bam, two thirds of the way no, through I, the book, it's revealed. Yes. I had no, they are eating. I people. had no doubts they were eating people. I, when he's, when, when they're talking about the rare steak and just like the, the, the blood coming off of it, I'm like, this is important. This is an important description in this book because there's, there's very little wasted description in this book. I'm like, I think they're eating people. Well, yeah, because the morals also like very little waste. They like to make the most of their prizes. No, I knew for sure they were eating people, and I was disgusted. I mean, cannibalism is like one of the most taboo things you can put in a book, and uh, it's very effective. And there was something clinical about the whole thing and about the just all of the violence and uh, that I really appreciated because like even with Michael, he hated it. He did not want to be butchering people for supper and to dispose of body parts. But at, at some point, he put that piece of his mind and his heart on a shelf because he had to survive and he had to get through it. And um, yeah, there's something about how much she doesn't tell us and how much she leaves to the imagination that makes the god-awful stuff even worse. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say there, there's no wasted description in the book because there are some murders and there are some scenes that are, are basically said this happens. Yeah. And then, but when it's necessary, it, it, she goes into great detail of exactly how he is, you know, cutting into her skin to peel it off. And it, it's why I don't eat mammals, people. Oof. And I barely eat other animals too because, I mean, I eat fish. I'm sorry. I do. But I can, I can handle that right now in my life. I could not handle the idea of butchering anything else, especially a person. Another thing with the pacing is she she does a really good job of hinting at the twists ahead of time so that really when they come they're earned and you see them yeah i you know when he was when he was at mcdonald's with alice yeah and he talks about her having the same hazel eyes i was like oh no oh no it's his sister isn't it right you kind of have this inkling but it just gets worse as it goes. I did not see the mother twist coming, though. Well, I knew there had to be something with that woman because she was a little bit out of the archetype. And Michael knows this, too. And then we start to learn about this, like, relationship that Rebel had, like, formed with her. And so what I was kind of thinking was, was he posing as Michael to, like, gain the trust of this woman? I don't know if he was posing as Michael, but I think he chose Michael's name 
for a reason. Right. As in like she like didn't know that her, they call her son Michael, but that he was like, I am your long lost son. Yeah. I, I think there is a psychological piece of him that was looking for a new mother. Well, always when you have that rotten, horrible creature as your mother. Yes. Um, God, I could just read that passage over and over again where he has to pry the axe out of her head and put down his foot because i'm like you nasty 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 creature you're not nice and i don't like you and she never shows any love to any of her children especially michael and then she acts like oh don't hurt mama and it's like oh lady you're going down he's gonna get medieval was there ever a point in the book where you did actually feel hopeful like you felt there might be a good result to something no as I said, I mean, I had a little hope that Alice, I knew Alice was going to get captured. I knew she was going to end up at that godforsaken farmhouse, just like Lucy. But I had hope that Alice and or Lucy, but especially Alice, would escape. See, that's exact. That's exactly where I was hopeful as well. The book just from 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 start to finish makes you think, oh man, there is there is just there's nothing that that's ever going to go right. The happier parts are made sad because you know that it can't have a happy ending. And right. then she still got me at the end. I'm like, well, at least Alice is going to get away. Right. And it's like, oh, of course, of course you got me. You you set me up. You totally set this whole thing up where I should have known, but I thought that she might make it. Well, and I mean, the thing is, is we don't know. She did not make it. We don't, but we don't know because he's not going to fight her. He's going to let her have the keys. I know, but it's it's just like, it's just like what they were talking about in The Shining. There's no way they could have gotten away. It's totally yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that's she set it up so she set it up from the very first chase scene in the woods. Yeah. She set it up when they were talking after the shining. She set it up multiple times that there is no realistic way that any of this can have a happy ending for anyone involved. Everyone's going to die in the end. Yeah. She could have named it. Everyone dies in the end. <laughs> But she still, I mean, that is how just front and center she was with all of that. She could have named it that way, and she still wrote it so well that I still would have had hope. I still would have had just that that sparkle of chance that maybe Alice is going to make it out. That's a really good way to think about it. And, you know, when I kind of read this book and I read her afterward and really loving her as I do, I thought about why. Why this book? Why this story? Why these characters? And I'd have to obviously ask her, which would be <laughs> a dream if you're listening. Anya, call me. We want to talk to you. But, um... I think it was a challenge for herself, like putting on my writing hat. She talks about what inspired her a little bit uh, to write this, but I think it was a challenge of like the darkness and kind of abyss staring sort of vibes. And for a reader, it's a little bit of the same. It's a scary place to go, this sort of headspace. The real dark it's side of humanity, there's nothing supernatural about it. They're not wizards. They're not demons. They're people choosing to do this stuff. And these are, quote unquote, real people involved in their lives and what that means. Um, I thought she did a great job of setting the scene of 1980 as well. Obviously, I wasn't alive during it, but I think it was a really good depiction though like it felt really um 
authentic. I it had sort of that slight historical feel, but it's still very contemporary. And in a way, the themes are timeless, so it doesn't really matter. And it w- it was you're right. It, it captured that that kind of transition between the the free loving hippies of the '60s and '70s and kind of the rise of the punk and 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 well, rock right. scene of the '80s. And like also in the '70s, there was inflation. There was some really hard times for people. Um, in a lot of ways, the '70s was really dour for a lot of people. But the '80s on the horizon was like bringing hope. That's as I understand it, as somebody who likes history, obviously, like I said, I wasn't there. But like, that's kind of the way like, you know, the future was a little bit bright coming out of hippies are done. The yuppies are on the rise. Where are the rest of us in middle America who've been forgotten about? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Good stuff. It was good. It was hard. It was really hard, but it was good. And um, yeah, stake anyone? No, thank Thank you. you. No, no, thank you. Scott, did this make you turn a little bit more towards my vegetarian ways? No. Oh, man! No, it didn't, but... I was uh, hoping for a little silver lining here. No, there's there's really only been one book that has almost gotten me to go... Well, actually, to be fair, it made me just never want to eat again. That'd be the troop. That would be the troop. Yeah, you don't want to eat before, during. Which, uh, take a shot, because we mentioned the troop in this episode. Yay! Everyone take a shot. (laughs) So I guess we have to give this a score. We do, and I, I've i been actually trying to think about what we should use. I have an idea. I mean, I do too, because I have a really morbid, dark sense of humor. Okay, what's, what's yours? yours? Well, mine Wait, is... Same on the count of three. Okay. One, One two, two, three. Flank steaks. Oh! I said flank steaks, you said meat hooks. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I think we have to go with yours. Ooh, okay. How many lady flank steaks out of five? <laughs> What one give this? Um, I'm going to give it. This is hard. I'm gonna give it four lady flank steaks out of five. I was captivated more by her other books, and I had a more pleasurable time reading her other books. But I appreciate the challenge. I appreciate the nihilism. Um, I appreciate where she was willing to go as a headspace and I really admire it, but it's not going to be the first book of hers I recommend um, because I feel like her other books have a lot of rereadability for me and this one does not (laughs) because it was gross, but not in the way I like. How many lady flank steaks? Well, let me first say that... You could have your lady flank steak with a a side of real lady marmalade. I messed it up, but you get the idea. (laughs) I... I have to preface this by saying I deeply disliked this book. I, I, I did. I, 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 I didn't enjoy it. It bothered me on a lot of levels. Yes. Um, yes, of course it should. It's going to be stuck in my head for a very long time. Yes. I think this book is five out of five Lady Flank Stakes. My God. I didn't enjoy it, but I think that with what she was clearly trying to do with this book, it was executed to perfection. I think that it's it's powerful. I think that it's it's moving, but not not in a not in a hopeful wrenching. Yes, I, I think that it's I think that it's meaningful. 
And I think that it's well done. And I couldn't, there's nothing that I could say that I think should have been done differently because that that feeling of hopelessness and just just complete loss of control over one's own personality and self and actions, but in a completely human psychological way, it was done to perfection. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. All right, guys, have you read this book? Have you read any other of uh, Anya Allborn's books? What did you think? Did you survive? Are you <laughs> Where did you fall? Uh, where did this fall in uh, your ranking of her other novels? Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed our spot on the cult show. We loved being there and talking to them. We love those guys. They're like our, our cousin show. We, we kind of collect cousin shows yeah, and sister did. shows and things like They're that. They're definitely but, in the fam. But really, the cult show's a lot of fun. We like them a lot. They're amazing. Okay, so we've got to get out of here before we melt. And uh, also so we don't have to think about this book anymore, <laughs> about Lady Flank Stakes anymore. So without further ado, I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. And if you can possibly stay no wait as if there was any chance for you to go to sleep after reading this book (laughs) please keep reading past your bedtime 